I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Hello, everybody. It is your endless stream of licensed <laughs> Lego games, Bruiser Holden. <laughs> Everything is Whisbrew. <laughs> Everything's an edutainment comedy podcast. <laughs> Everything is Whisbrew. And we're busting our ass. You know, I was going to say everything is not an edutainment comedy podcast, but I just realized actually, yes, <laughs> in the year 2020, everything truly is a edutainment comedy podcast. <laughs> and we thank you so much for listening to ours. And today we are going into part two of Lego. Uh, my goodness. This is this is an interesting split. Yeah. This, I yeah. honestly, it's kind of amazing how this one property we're covering, you know, we covered the physical world yes. in the last episode, and now we're going to be covering the fictional world, the the digital world. You know, it's like they Lego has has actually done a pretty damn good job of staying with the times, and you know, evolving with with, with technology in, in ways that it's really pretty amazing, and uh, especially this is shown. By uh, you know the the video games and then of course the film. I loved learning about the evolution of brick films. Uh, I loved learning about how the video. I you know it's interesting when I started at the beginning of the week with research. I was like I'm gonna start on the movie because mm-hmm. I'm just a little more interested in learning about the movie than I am the games. And then I very quickly realized oh no. I have to do the games first because the, if it wasn't for the games, we wouldn't have the movies. It was kind of amazing piecing together the direct line because at first it kind of seems a little disparate. You know, there's these little uh, yeah, edutainment CD-ROMs and then there's these licensed games and then there's this like uh, TV story, yeah. uh, tie-in series. And then there's this movie, this hit movie that comes out of nowhere. And then as you pick up the research, it's almost like, a relay race there's baton passes and each little advancement kind of brings in a just more for the this weird uber franchise to work with right so the thing that i got very excited about was the games i started at the games and then made my way to the movies and it was a revelation so many memories so Uh many kids grew up on these games so many adults really appreciated how else are you going to have a a Temple of Doom 
scenario that you can enjoy with a six-year-old. Right, and also just enjoy any kind of video game with a six-year-old. I think now we take it for granted there are so many good options out there for uh, video games that both parents and children can enjoy, but I think back when these games were really hitting, it was actually a bit of a revelation of like, oh my God, it's a game for kids that is also fun to play as an adult. That's amazing. We need more of these. And I think that really wasn't as much of a standard as it is now, you know? Holden, we've talked about how I'm an emotionally stunted, uh, gross old man, right? Constantly. And part of that is I genuinely enjoy a lot of meme culture and TikTok culture uh, just as just as passive entertainment. The kids are making things and they're very funny. And it's been very weird seeing the Lego games iconography and humor and references overtake even the Star Wars movies, even the original things that uh, they were based off of. So many times now I see Lego game references, what the unique system of collecting studs and the sound effects and that, that thing is still vibrant in the hearts of the kids that grew up with those games. And then you, the movies, especially the first Lego movie, I remember when that came out. I saw it in the theater. And again, it was a revelation of like, oh, this is not just some cynical kitty bullshit, licensed bullshit movie. This is like a legitimately a fucking awesome movie with a great soundtrack, with like incredible acting, incredible everything, you know, visually stunning. And it was, again, I just couldn't believe like how successful they can be on all of these different fronts. And we did talk about the dark days uh, for sure, last week, I think, but they just seem to be hitting it out of the park so much on all these different fronts to keep this brand alive and ma- ensure that it is this destination for people. Oh, we're in a big city. Let's go to their Lego store, <laughs> you know, and and uh, it even had me. I haven't picked up my set yet, but I'm going to get a new set soon. I think I'm going to continue my city block. Uh, but just, yeah, doing this research was really fascinating. So let's hop into it. So our story begins during what we kind of considered the dark days. Sure. Um, what happened was that uh, Lego was kind of losing its its way. They were threatened by the rise of extreme action figures, the rise of video games like Nintendo, sports, Sega. anything with an X in it. They were threatened by, essentially. Uh, this led to a lot of weird decisions <laughs> on the toy end of things. A lot of, we talked about Galador, we talked about kind of their their reliance on very esoteric sets with very expensive pieces. But that fear did produce one important thing. This is a headline from Next Generation magazine from like 1996, all right? And it's called Lego Builds Game Block. It's a very short, it's a micro news thing. And it just says, Newsline, Lego, world-renowned maker of children's building blocks is set to enter the video game market. The Danish company is planning to invest nearly $2 million in development with the emphasis being placed firmly on games. Uh, Then the, because this is a cool video game magazine, in bold there's the editor's commentary. Lego, like a lot of bevy of toy manufacturers, is frightened to death of the PC and console markets. And so they're rushing to play catch up. Although one wonders why companies with such financial and distribution muscle didn't act sooner. Oh, right. Yeah. And But they are. They are threatened a little bit by 
the new type of play that all the kids are hip to. So they get into it. The very first video game they made was actually with Sega in 1995 for the Sega Pico, which was an educational game console that looks like a laptop for clowns. It was only released in Japan. It's barely <laughs> worth mentioning. Yes. It's terrible 2D graphics. It's called Lego Fun to Build. It was it consisted of building building puzzles that were accompanied by mini games. So it was a very this was like a very soft entry in. But next came one that I remember I so I remember Lego Island becoming being this like big nostalgia meme Mm -hmm. on places like Reddit right I remember that generally and I had never played it a lot of comparisons to to GTA or early you know the earliest one of the early versions of an open worldy game Mm -hmm. in a town essentially where you could go do different things and there are all these easter eggs and things like that but people really have such a fondness for this game they use the dev company Mindscape to make it Mindscape was possibly best known at the time for a point-and-click adventure game that they made in the mid-80s set in the world of hard-boiled detective novels called Deja Vu. And Lego Island is using Microsoft's DirectX technology to create 3D environments. The player chooses between five main characters and can move around the different areas of the island, completing side and main missions with lots of secrets and Easter eggs hidden around the game world. Lego. Island. Holden, I went in a Lego Island hole. I feel like this is a very key. This might be the keystone in our entire story because before this, Lego didn't really have a brand identity. They didn't have a sense of humor about themselves. They didn't have a a tone about themselves. And what Mindscape was, you you said uh, the detective game, but there's some real quality notches in Mindscape's belt. uh, Okay. Including the original Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing. And the, uh, do you remember those educational weird Nintendo spinoff games? Like, where where is Mario and like Mario and the Time Machine and stuff like that? Oh, God. So these were kind of educational spinoff games. They did a lot of licensed work. And this was all the kind of creative work of a guy named Wes Jenkins. Hmm. And Wes Jenkins is, he worked on, I'm sorry, Mario's Time Machine and Mario is Missing. Okay. He did a lot of freelance writing. He was kind of a journeyman guy and he had a very vaudeville sense of humor he was a much older man than a lot of the young programmers he was working with and he did a bunch of peyote in a desert and that is where (laughs) he came up no i'm just kidding that is not how he came up and so what he did is he went to a new york toy fair with a pitch for lego and along with the real like edutainment honcho guy at mindscapes they convinced lego to let them have the license to make this thing and what they wanted was a classic format for edutainment CD-ROMs, the Activity Center. You know, everything from Jumpstart First Grade to the Treehouse. It was every, you're familiar. You kind of go around and you click on various things, find little mini games, and just have a lot of talking animated characters. Basically, and Sesame Street level shit. But Lego Island had a very weird sense of humor. Yes. There was a distinct absurdity to the proceedings that belied whatever trappings of edutainment that whatever whatever Lego approved of was not what Lego Island was. Lego Island is very much a, ver- a fun game. Um, and it had just so much personality, way more personality than it had any right to. What you're saying is it is the wizard and the bruiser of <laughs> Lego video games. For, for example, part of the plot of Lego Island was that you had to capture the Brickster who was a escaped convict who used a pizza you delivered him as the character of Pepperoni 
the adopted son of Mama Pamba Bricolini of the Bricolina Pizza effect. <laughs> you know what? Um, we'll get to the Bricolinas in a second. Sounds like the beginning of a pornography video. Mm-hmm. The Brickster was played by the guy who did the who was who played Squiggy in Laverne and Shirley. He has this very huh. weird voice. He just is this chaotic force, and. You go around and you're just collecting things, you're racing, you're doing all this stuff. They didn't have the technology. That Direct X technology was completely unheard of at the time. The engine is held together by spit and bubble gum. But the end result was this fully quote unquote 3D world, you know, a mixture of, of real time 3D graphics, sprites, all kind of going around. Absurd, crazy humor. Uh, for, and oddly enough, really catchy music. Mary, if you can uh, play just a clip of the uh, Mama Papa Bricolini theme. Mama Papa Bricolini will not cook you no linguini. Don't you know he specialize in one thing? That's the pizza pie. If you think the family's ready for a plate of good spaghetti, sorry if it makes you cry, but all we got is pizza pie. Yeah, that's that's a good one. It's a lot of the nostalgia is based on the music. The songs uh, composed by a guy named Lauren Nelson, along with a very kind of slapped together uh, performance team, did a really great job. Brick by Brick is another great classic song. This played while you were driving around or just uh, building new vehicles for you to use. Uh, Mary, I know I just did this, but please play a little bit of Brick by Brick. Brick by Brick, talk by Dick. And the whole presentation package was the new technology, the off the wall humor, and the amazing catchiness and joy that came together really made an impact. Yeah, I think that the self-referential humor or referential humor rather was a huge thing that would be embedded in the rest of Lego and media. I feel like you've got that in in all of the Lego games we know today. The the um uh, oh god, why can't the licensed Lego games we know today, and even in the movies as well. Like uh, they established a a thing tonally in this little game that could that ended up being like incredibly influential on the whole brand, which I think is pretty amazing. And if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, that $2 million you referenced earlier is actually what they invested after the success of Lego ah. Island, I think. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's Lego Island that is essentially a proof of concept for Lego to say, hey, we can keep making video games. This is actually not a big waste of our time and money, which right. I think is amazing. But uh, it doesn't quite get to where we where we know now with the onslaught of licensed games, it took a little bit of time and some stumbling. There's going to be, I did a full interview with a guy named Ben who goes on Twitter under the title Professor Brickster. He actually found a treasure trove of old development documents and concept art for the original Lego Island games. And we go very deep into oh, cool. why this thing is just a legend amongst the kids who grew up in the CD-ROM generation. Check out the Patreon if you want to listen to that. Uh, The last thing I want to say is Wes, uh, his entire team was laid off the day before the game finally came out. Oh, wow. 
That's a common practice, unfortunately, in game development. Yeah. Because you're once it's out the door, why are you still holding on to developers? Right. Why are you, you you know you don't have to pay out any bonuses if you don't have a sequel lined up or anything? He was brought back under different circumstances to work on Lego Island Two and Lego Extreme Stunts, which took place in the same universe. Oh my God, there's so many games. By the way, we're about to talk about it, and you know this is just a thing I just want to talk about because we end up doing this a lot. Wes was so integral; he fought so hard for Lego Island and for its unique tone that. Uh, unfortunately, late in his life, he had a lot of financial difficulties. Mm. He had a lot of heart problems. His wife and him went bankrupt together. They had to do a GoFundMe the year before he died. But then they won the lottery, right? Um, right at the end. No, I'm a lot. Uh, uh, no, he died penniless. I'm sorry. There was a pouring of support from the Lego community, and it was actually very touching. The old GoFundMe page is still available. Oh, man. But in 2017, he did pass away. And it's just kind of interesting. It's This is just an unfortunate thing that happens, that in a work-for-hire world, you end up kind of pushing these small snowballs that end up earning corporations trillions of dollars. Right, but and there's you... no payout that re respects that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is such a shame. So well, let's move on to uh, what comes next. Essentially, it's like they figured it's like two steps forward, one step back a little bit with Lego Island and then what happened after. The next thing that came was Lego Loco for Windows, which was a simple open-ended construction game with a focus on rail transport and was developed by British company Intelligent Games. Then came, and by the way, there's so many games, guys. There's, uh, there's Lego Chess, which was developed by Chrysalis Software, which uh, is chess in the Lego. It's pretty explanatory, self-explanatory. And Lego Creator, which was a sandbox game where you build with Lego, but it had no missions or challenges or anything like that, which I don't understand. Because it's like, come on, you just figured out all this stuff with Lego Island. Why aren't you going to incorporate that? Because then, the engine would fall apart as soon as you stacked more than five bricks true, together. Yeah. <laughs> then they do. Are you serious? Did you play it? I didn't play it. I just, obviously, we looked at a lot of the same documents. Yes. And you can find a lot of footage a lot of very dedicated Lego fans have done compilations. And yeah, Lego creator just was not, it just didn't have the, the goose to run <laughs> as you imagined it could. Then they do a music simulation game called Lego Friends and, and a real-time strategy game called Lego Rock Raiders, a fucking racing game called Lego Racers. And yes, I did write the word fucking in my notes, <laughs> which is actually important as it was the first game released on consoles. So Very now they're important. making games for PlayStation and N64 at this point. And they're understanding how big that market can be, especially yes. because during the PlayStation N64 era, it was actually a little bit hard to find family-friendly games. Also, you've get you've got yeah, because everything was so edgy. Mm -hmm. But also you've got now they can work in 3D, like real 3D, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that was also a big part of like, wow. I mean, essentially they should have done what Minecraft did. But uh, either way, uh, by 2000, they're still finding their footing with educational games and a variety of games developed for the PC, such as a puzzle game called Lego Alpha Team and a stunt racing game called Lego Stunt Rally. And they ported some of these to handheld, specifically the Game Boy Colors. Now they're working on a little bit of handheld as well. But this is when they changed their name from Lego Media to Lego Software. And they put out another Lego Creator game, this time set in the Knights Kingdom universe. And this is actually the start of a bunch of sequels released by, uh, by Lego. So now they've established a, a, a line of different video game varieties. Now they're just going to sequelize the shit out of it. Lego Island 2, the Brickster's Revenge comes out around this time. But with a different dev who repurposed 
uh, a canceled game to create and uh, created in support of a TV show that actually didn't get made, which is very odd. Yeah, so there was a Lego show. They were going to have a game based off it. Then they just said, fuck it, let's just make Lego Island 2. But you said he came back for Lego Island 2? Just to do some writing and to just, do some Oh, flavor. okay. Not that he, but it wasn't like the, he wasn't the main dev. So you also have Lego Racers 2, Lego creator Harry Potter. This is another big deal because actually it was the first Lego game based on a licensed property. So essentially what we need to see happen in the timeline, which does eventually happen, is the comedy and great writing and fun uh, and secrets all, all up in Lego Island. And that combined with like Lego creator Harry Potter with a licensed thing that they found pretty much saved them back in the day before it hurt them. If we can get these two concepts to marry in the timeline, then we will get, we will be on the perfect, on the correct timeline, which we are of course living in. So Lego then signs a deal with electronic arts in 2001 to co-publish games with them going forward. And that's why they end up changing the name. They go to Lego interactive. I believe yeah. at this point, there's going to be a lot of corporate finagling. <laughs> and if we get the exact timeline on this wrong, I'm sorry, but a lot of important things happen coming up to 2006. Yes. They, uh, they released a slew of games that I can't even get into. There's so many of them. Uh, under the Bionicle lineup, also you promised that we will eventually do an episode on Bionicle. That happens up until 2005. Now, this is when we get to the to the big honker, is what I call it. The big stinky honker. The that, game changer. The game changer, literally and figuratively, Lego Star Wars, the video game. So starting in 2003, all the way back in 2003, Lego contracts Traveler's Tales to develop a game based on the Star Wars license. Soon after they did that, they found themselves moving away from the video game industry. So you've got Tom Stone and Jonathan Smith of Lego Interactive going off and forming Giant Interactive in 2004 and getting the exclusive license for Lego video games so that they can take their crack at it. So the game that they developed was based on the prequel trilogy. I kind of hate that... The big game changer uh, involves the prequels, but it's very true. And it has elements that we've seen in every Lego video game iteration since, such as character swapping by walking up to them, co-op play, collecting the Lego studs. So many studs. Content. It is addictive. Yes. Once I ended up, I didn't have a lot of experience with the Lego games. Oh, really? I, you know, you play, a, you play a demo or something back in the day, but it's available on mobile and I got it for Android. Imbued, you know, it hooked up to my controller. It's, it's very addictive. It's very specifically just getting those studs, paying for new characters, watching everything kind of evolve and expand as you play it. The humor is on point. Yes. And I think we got to can we rewind and talk about Traveler's Tales Please. and why they were the perfect. Absolutely. So Traveler's Tales, based out of the lovely little town of Nutsford, England. Ha! <laughs> Nutsford. It's a few. It's a couple miles outside of Manchester. Innocent balls, am I right? Yes. <laughs> From Testicle Town, <laughs> Great Britain. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You'll left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Uh, and it was started by John Burton and Andy Ingram. John Burton uh, runs an amazing YouTube channel called Game Hut, where he kind of goes into the fun little tricks and history of his early days at Traveler's Tales. It's incredible if you ever get a chance to watch it, especially if you've always kind of wondered about how your favorite 16-bit games were actually made. So like a lot of European dev companies, it's a ton of homebrew home programming kind of evolved and expanded you know, trading programs expanding your software thing and for some reason or another this team that just were great at getting great graphics out of limited hardware got a ton of licensed games uh stuff like uh, mickey mania for the for the sega genesis this toy mm. story and um bugs life games mm. Specifically, the Traveler's Tales Bugs Life game for PlayStation is a weird underrated classic for the system. They did a ton of amazing things in a 3D platformer back when the system was really struggling to compete with Mario 64. And I do think that this is the turning point for licensed products where I even learned this rule of thumb pretty early on when I was renting video games from Blockbuster. You know, you're, you're stuck with that game for the next five days. It's got to be it's got to be a good one, you know. Mm -hmm. To actually stay away from licensed video games generally because usually they were trash. So this sort of thing was a big turning point, I think, even for licensed things where that's not necessarily the case anymore. I will also say that they were responsible for Sonic 3D Blast and ah. the Sonic R racing game for the ah. Saturn. Do you remember that? Uh, it's legendarily of. bad. Yeah. John Burton talks about all the cool programming tricks they did to get it to actually run on the Saturn, which was notoriously a pain in the ass to make games on. But they still got a reputation for delivering visually impressive games with very little hassle on time. Yeah. And they were actually trusted with doing Crash Bandicoot sequels after Naughty Dog left the series. When did they, what? Crash, Crash Twin Sanity. It's the, okay. which has, and I forgot the other one, but that's actually got a reputation as being one of the better post Naughty Dog Crash games. Mm. So this is where they cut their teeth doing 3D stuff. They're also making games for the uh, based on the Chronicles of Narnia. They're doing a ton of stuff. But Lego Star Wars kind of hits all of their yes. perfect strengths. It's it's yeah, it's it's charming. The writing's charming. The uh, collection, the mission stuff is really addictive and in for adults and for it's just it's just i feel like it doesn't pander mm -hmm. to the kids and i think a lot of games made for kids much like in film there's a lot of weird pandering and it's it, it, it just assumes its audience is stupid mm -hmm. and that's not really the case here and it assumes that the audience has a terrible sense of humor usually and that's not the case here and that's why this became i think the perfect formula for family fun. And uh, and especially with the nostalgia, the nostalgia that's about to hit is huge. Like the prequels 
really were for the kids in a lot of ways, looking back, as we see now when people obnoxiously post on the internet about how the prequels were, like, at all good, which is just absurd. And I know I've screamed about this before, but um, it's just like, it's not cute, guys. Like, it's just, they were bad movies. You know what I mean? But... But this game was super fun, and it's like, oh, man, if we can just, you know, do this with, like, actual good movies, we're going to really have a a killer formula here. So There's an article in The Hollywood Reporter about kind of how Traveler's Tales made their impact on the LEGO franchise, and one of the developers, Jeremy Pardon, said, we decided pretty early on that the characters in LEGO Star Wars wouldn't die. We just felt that would hit the right tone. And from the second you start... Star Wars. You're begin- safe. You're you're yeah. just gonna have fun, and and yeah, for sure. The other thing I forgot to mention is the name Traveler's Tales was uh, taken from a chapter heading in Carl Sagan's Cosmos. <laughs> nice. I like that name. It's a good name. So this game is super popular, uh, and it the result was the travel Traveler's Tales ends up buying Giant Interactive Entertainment, renaming them to TT Games Publishing. How crazy! The world. I didn't even get into it, but the world of licenses yeah, buying mergers. each other and yeah, mergers. It's crazy. It's so nuts that the develop the outsourced developer who made Lego Star Wars were like, "Oh, making Lego games rocks." We're going to buy the company that hired us. Yeah. So so we get the Lego rights. So crazy, right? So this is when we just get the slew of licensed games from Traveler's Tales based on this formula. Starting with an, a killer entry, Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. Now we're working with good stuff. Uh, <laughs> There's and- a great thing in Lego <laughs> OG series where... You know, this famous scene from Return of the Jedi where Luke makes amends with Anakin Skywalker on the little with his helmet off and his gross bald face. (laughs) And in the Lego game, uh, it shows Luke kind of going, "Okay," and kissing him on the forehead and then walking into his ship and leaving Darth Vader on the ramp that he was lying on. And as the ramp closes, he just slides into the (laughs) ship, (laughs) thus explaining how Luke got his body to Endor. But whatever. Uh, Yeah, it, it's it's so good. It it covers the entire original trilogy, and it just super fun, super addictive. And this is where they really start smoothing the formula out too, and really getting ca- catching uh, their stride when it comes to exactly all of these. You know, smoothing out all the edges on these things. It's also in 2007 that Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment acquires Traveler's Tales, and WB Games becomes the official publisher for Lego games going forward. And it's the success of these games that catches the eye of Warner Bros. home entertainment executive Kevin Sujihara, who engineered said purchase and also felt a Lego-based film might be a very good idea. So that is why, ladies and gents, I said earlier that I tried to start researching the Lego movie and realized I couldn't because (laughs) I had to go back and, and start from the very beginning with the video games because I love that the video games, if you didn't have those, you would not have the successful film film franchise that we see today also you wouldn't have it without brick films and we're going to get into that because i love brick films it's so cool but we'll talk about it in a second i do want to say next came two games based on the indiana jones franchise and by 2010 harry potter gets into the mix followed by pirates of the caribbean batman lord of the rings and by 2013 marvel superheroes gets their own title and i will say at the end of the day, you can set your watch by these games. Like you know, you're you you know what kind of investment you're making, and I think it can be entertain. If if your kid 
loves any one of those franchises, they're probably going to have a great time playing the Lego version, the Lego video game version. But it does the formula does get a little old, you know, <laughs> after the tenth entry. For an adult, yes, you're not supposed yes. to play ten of these games in a row. Right. But the thing that makes Traveler's Tales so clutch is the fact that they are a triple A development studio. They understand game design. They yeah. understand polish they understand the flow state and they understand fandom mm -hmm. and they understand what fans want when when they play a licensed game i think they just kill it with that there's so many inside jokes there's so many nods and references to the thing you love lego city undercover was a recent game made by tt games fusion right i remember that one and that got great reviews yeah. it is a solid GTA-like open-world cool. game that expands the mechanics that the kids grew up with in the original Lego tie-in That's games. fun, and it doesn't rely on a franchise, which is cool. Or so, uh, outside of Lego. It doesn't rely on another licensed property, which is neat. It's it's the fact that they got a very good developer to dedicate themselves 100% to these games is a big factor. For sure. I will say, it's not even a just a, a, a tangential connection that the movie had with Telltale Games. Back during development, Lord and Miller came to Nutsvert. Ah, they Lord and Miller, of course, uh, are oh. the direct writers, directors, right, of the first film. Yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Also the creators of Clone High, we'll get into it. Yep. Uh, before they started production on the Lego movie and showed the original team there the treatment, and Traveler's Tales gave them the thumbs up. That's very cool. So. Dan Lin is a man who has a name, and this man gets a junior position at Warner Bros. Pictures the day after he graduates from Harvard Business School. Must be nice, Dan. <laughs> and he ends up working his way up to senior vice president of production. I oh, do great in Harvard Business, man. I just I walk in. in a so high. <laughs> sleeves ripped on my business suit, blazed out of my skull, just throwing silver dollars at people being like, you want results? Kablam! <laughs> Invest in me. <laughs> Dividends. So he ends up fourth uh, quarter project my dick. <laughs> so he ends up becoming senior vice president of production at Warner Bros. Before leaving to form his own company in 2007. So this timeline again really lining up well with Warner Bros. Uh, acquiring Traveler's Tales that same year. Lynn Pictures is what it's called, and it is based at Warner Brothers, and it's around this time and around the time of the acquisition of Traveler's Tales that Lynn comes up with an idea for a film based on the Lego franchise and works with film producer Roy Lee. In 2009, Dan and Kevin Hageman were writing a script described as, quote, action adventure set in a Lego world. They would go on to receive story credit for the first movie. This is picked up and further worked on by These Are Our Boys, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who were coming off of the success of the film Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. The two met when in freshman year of college, Chris uh, drunkenly set Phil's girlfriend's hair on fire, and they made short films together while at Dartmouth, that's where they went to school, which catches the eye of, at the time, chairman of Disney, Michael Eisner, must be nice, <laughs> who sets up a meeting and offers them a two-year development deal at Disney Television Animation. But it's a bit of a bumpy ride for these two until they get to Cloudy, and uh, it involves Clone High, Jake. By the way, how great is Clone High? One of the best animated series <laughs> of all time. So funny, and Will everyone Forte should check it out. plays uh, Teen Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's right. They, it's one of my favorite animated series. It's also. so funny. We should do an episode we on it. We should definitely do an episode on it. 
one of my favorite things about Phil Lord and Chris Miller is that they their entire career is just things that should not have worked and them clawing amazingness from it. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? That's a horrible idea for a movie. Yeah. The original book has is there's it's just literally a bunch of people going, oh, there's meatballs falling. <laughs> and they had to make a movie out of it. That's yeah, nuts. it really is. It is like weaving gold out of hay or something. You know what I mean? It's some Rumpelstiltskin ass shit. You they then need- did t- the 21 Jump Street reboot, which again, a terrible idea. Yeah. An awful, the world was full of shitty TV reboot movies. Well, and also like taking something like Lego, you, you just look at that. And I know they're probably going to do Candyland at some point. You know, they did Battleship, you know, and that was a clunker. Just you look at that and you just always think, always a bad idea. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And now we have trolls and all these things and these really successful franchises based on children's toys. You know what I mean? But it's like it it, it always feels like if it's such a hard thing to do because of course there's a lot of things based on children's toys but usually they had a cartoon in mind when they were making the toy Mm -hmm. right but to take something that was just the toy and and spin a fucking whole plot out plot line out of it and especially the way they do it and the way you know and spoilers for lego movie i mean we're gonna have spoilers right if you want to see lego movie probably skip this part of the episode okay because there are actual really important spoilers (laughs) for lego movie so here we go so the way that they break the fourth wall, just like Lego Island did in, in its own little ways, and go into the real world, and it's so brilliant, and really, and Brick Films, we'll talk about, had a huge impact on that, but it's so smart, uh, the way that they were able to do that, but they, it took them a while to get to the point where they could make a Lego movie. They pitched Clone High, or, or no, no, nothing they pitch makes it to air at Disney, but they do get to write and direct on Clone High. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they created Clone High, though. Okay. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I saw. Co-creators. Okay, so there you go. So in 2003, they are hit up to write Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but they were fired after a year. So this is such a Hollywood story, mm-hmm. especially a modern-day script-writing Hollywood story. Uh, so they're fired after a year, but then they just get rehired to work on the script again in 2006, three years later. And they accept it, and they redo the entire script. But they were almost fired again <laughs> until they made further story changes. They say the experience taught them two things. The power of creative collaboration, whatever that means. And I'm kidding. Of course it's important to work together. And the importance of emotion in story, which is super important and does exist very much so in the Lego movie. <laughs> so the Lego movie is greenlit in late 2011 with a planned release date in 2014. And... The Australian studio Animal Logic was pulled in to do the animation. Before that, they had worked on films, Animal Logic, that is, had worked on films like Happy Feet, The Matrix, Moulin Rouge. I mean, this is a really good effects company. Also, Chris McKay of Robot Chicken fame was hired by Warner Brothers to co-direct with a focus on the animation. McKay said, we wanted to make the film feel like the way you play, the way I remember playing. We wanted to make it feel as epic and ambitious and self-serious as a kid feels when they play with Lego. We took something you could claim is the most cynical cash grab in cinematic history, basically a 90-minute Lego commercial, and turned it into a celebration of creativity, fun, and invention in the spirit of just having a good time and how ridiculous it can look when you make things up. And we had fun doing it. Lord said, we wanted to make an anti-totalitarian film for children. Mm -hmm. Uh, Side note from me, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, Back to Lord. Something that was talking about the importance of freedom and 
innovation and keeping society honest. And of course, they satirize the oil industry, marketing and capitalism throughout the film and these really funny, great ways and non-annoying ways, not preachy ways. Miller said, we were using it as a Trojan horse to slip in some subversive ideas under the cover of making a very corporate friendly family movie. So they pull together this unbelievable <laughs> cast, unbelievable fucking cast. So you've got Chris Pratt, Will Arnett, Channing Tatum, Morgan Freeman, Elizabeth Banks, Allison Brie, Will Ferrell, Liam Neeson, and Nick Offerman, just to name some of the names. There's too many to list. There's almost as many names as there are Lego video games out there that are in this movie. Uh, and I love that the animation, as I mentioned before, is heavily inspired by brick films. And we're going to talk about that for a bit now. It oh, was a yeah. So one of the key decisions that Phil Lord and Chris Miller definitely kind of put their foot down on very early on was that they needed this movie to look like it was stop motion animated. Yes. Uh, to the point where it's while not actually being stop motion animated because they're using CGI and everything. And honestly, it would be a nightmare to stop motion animate. I was watching the Batman one. Uh, the other day and I'm just like I could there's some scenes in there you're like I could not fathom actually building this with Lego you know what I mean I, I was listening to an interview with one of the lead animators of the original movie for Animal Logic and it was actually a constant butting of heads because these are animators these are professional people who bring things to life and there are certain things you couldn't do in this movie you couldn't really do motion blurs they had fights over whether when or whether things could be moving and have motion blur, but in stop motion, there unless you're using a very specific process that we talked about in our Empire Strikes Back uh, episode, unless you're doing very specific techniques, stop motion animation doesn't have it because it's just still photos. Mm. Stuff like how do you get expressions out of these characters without stretching and squashing and breaking the idea that these are rigid pieces. How do you give things? Oh, there's so many explosions and so many fight scenes happening in this movie. How do you do that with just little pieces wiggling around? And so breaking through that barrier was a huge learning process. Uh, in an early interview before the movie came out, Phil Lord and Chris Miller actually said their goal is to have a movie that looks like if Michael Bay kidnapped Henry Selleck, the director of Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. and had him make a movie for him. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really incredible, and I love where the where Brick Films came from. This is a collection of community-made films using Lego bricks, which are usually made with stop-motion animation. However, CGI, traditional animation, and live action are included in these movies as well, depending on which one you're watching. The first known Brick film was done by two Danish men in 1973, and it's called In Reich's which translates to Journey to the Moon. And it was recorded on Super 8 film and was gi given to Gottfried Kirk Christensen. Of course, the was he the son or grandson? I believe he was son. the son, right? Of Ole, Ole was the originator. Yeah, Kirk. Gottfried was the son. And then like... If you heard our part one on Lego, which I would assume you have, because that's a weird move just to go straight to part two. No, this these are the people that were like, <laughs> I'm not going to follow you to Spotify. <laughs> then they had a commute coming up and they were like... Ah, fuck. Okay, <laughs> fine. So uh, this is not released to the public until 2013, but you can find it on YouTube, and it's really fascinating to watch. It is. It was made in the 1973, and it's using Lego. It's pretty cool. It's very short. I would definitely suggest checking it out. The next notable one was made by Lindsay Flea in Western Australia over the course of four years, and that was called The Magic Portal. Now, this is a weird thing with Lego. Lego does not 
support fan-made shit for quite a while. And it is a real shame because, again, Magic Portal, you can watch it on YouTube. It's fascinating. It's definitely a big inspiration on the Lego movie. It also jumps into the real world and 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 we do, you know, in a different way. Lego does it, Lego movie does it differently. Lego movie is more based on play and all that kind of stuff, whereas Magic Portal is much more like, ah, these Lego people have come into the real world and they're like doing things and it's everything's going amok. One of the things in Magic Portal that if you do watch it, you should recognize is they are breaking through how to tell stories and how to yeah. create animated effects with Lego in a way that the Lego movie eventually does themselves through software. Yes, completely, which is insane. Obviously why it took how many years? Four years. Over, uh, yeah, over four years. So uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's notable for being the first one to have decent production values and for the live action thing and all that stuff. Um, the Lego group generally fought to keep these productions from seeing the light of day, as I mentioned, until it officially commissioned some in the late 80s. In the year 2000, BrickFilms.com was founded, and that is when the community really took off. And the Lego group, by this time, actually encouraged the use of Brick Films because, duh, it's fucking going to help your brand if a bunch of people are, like, creating cool shit using your product. I don't understand why people were like this back in the 70s and 80s, you know what I mean, or, and whatever. It's... It's like, come on, man. Like, it's just exposure. So the early 2000s was when Machinima also began taking off, where people were making movies with game engines mm -hmm. and just the tools to make animated films with digital cameras, digital photography, computer at ed nonlinear editing all helped people that had kind of a nugget of an idea have the tools to actually make that idea a reality. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. And they even release a line called Lego Studios, which is specifically for use in stop-motion films, while also featuring brick films on their own advertisements, which is, of course, a smart thing to do. Animal Logic, though they were using computer animation, still re replicated the articulation limits of Rego Lego figures to repl replicate... Wow, that's a lot. Articulation and replication. Animal Logic, though they were using computer animation, still replicated the articulation limits of Lego figures to replicate a stop-motion brick film feel. I got through that sentence. Can you believe it? So imagine in the script, it says Wild Style uses air quotes. You know, she does the air quote thing. You're the animator. How do you do that? And if you watch the final movie, she just wiggles her little cup hands. Mm -hmm in a way that is realistic to Lego pieces, yes. but the context and the personality in the animation 
totally delivers it. But it, it nails, it's so important and fundamental that they did that because we all, again, and we'll talk more about this with Lego Masters because I completely agree with you, uh, of uh, Lego Masters, the new r- reality competition show, is so much more fun for me to watch even than like British, British Bake Off mm-hmm. because I just know that medium so much better and so many people I feel like do because at one point in time, usually someone had at least one Lego set, right? And understands how those work. So on the big screen too, seeing these things animated, not in some weird way that would involve CGI and a way that you wouldn't actually be able to move the pieces if you were playing with early, them at home. It, early it Telltale Lego off. games have that weird effect where the characters are bending and kind uh-huh. of squishing around in a way that Lego character, Lego minifigs, you know, don't actually work. Right, and it's it, and it takes something away from it for sure. So yeah, it, it, you know, and they do all the things. The Did camera- I say Telltale? I meant Traveler's Tales. Yes, but I completely get why you would mistake <laughs> that. Or make that mistake. CT games. CT games. The camera systems tried to replicate live action cinematography with things like a steady cam simulator. You know, all that kind of stuff they use in CGI that always is so fascinating to me. Replicating like actual camera movement and stuff is so interesting to me in CGI. Another thing they utilized was the Lego Digital Designer, which is really fascinating stuff. It is a freeware computer program that allows users to build models with virtual Lego bricks. And according to CG supervisor Aiden Starsfield, It, quote, uses the official Lego brick library and effectively simulates the connectivity of each of the bricks. This is something that uh, you kind of, on paper, you think when you're watching the movie, well, they couldn't have actually done it like that. Mm. But they actually did do it like that. Mm -hmm. The buildings you see in the main Lego town, all the individual sets are constructed in 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 3D, in digitally, created from individual pieces. Yes. And then those builds are converted to 3D animation software. And I wish this still existed, but because I, I feel like I would have utilized it at some point to make something hilarious. Up until 2012, you could use this software and design a model and design instructions and design boxed art and stuff and upload it to a website, a website called Lego Design by Me, and then you would actually receive a physical version of the thing you created in the mail. And I'm so sad it doesn't exist anymore because I would have loved to, like build my apartment, you know, or something like that and create all instructions and stuff or, you know, and like give it to Lexi for like a, a, you know, anniversary present or, you know what I mean? Or something cute like that. There are a lot, if you still have that bug, as I discussed with Lego Masters competitor, Boone Langston. First of all, you should see a doctor for that. But yes, also. You can still have access to freeware and independently made Lego construction 3D software. And that helped. You can get the parts. Oh, cool. It's not as ready made, but it's out there. You can. You still have access to very powerful tools. But I love they would send you the box art is really Mm. what fucking knocks it (laughs) home, dude. It would be so cool to have that. So uh, they would design the models with uh, the Lego digital designer, then convert them to be animated in Maya and XSI, which are like the CGI programs they used they would also use a microscope and this is super important too and i noticed this watching the batman movie lego movie for close-up shots they would use a microscope on minifigures to capture seam lines dirt and grime little scratches and things and if you see in close-ups of those lego movies it, 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 again, it makes it feel so much more like you're really watching toys at play because you'll see these little scuff marks and stuff that would actually be. And if that stuff was too smoothed out and too CGI perfect, it would 
be weird. It would it wouldn't feel the same way. It wouldn't feel like you were watching toys. The obvious the reference to that every piece, even the Lego movie media, official media points to is Benny the Spaceman has a crack in his space helmet at the exact yes. point that was a structural weak point yes. in 80s Lego in space sets. Particular toy line. Yeah. And just little accuracy things like that are go a long way with these movies. Little touches that you wouldn't even notice unless you did a little research or whatnot. Uh, also, you have, and we need to do an episode on this guy at some point, Mark Mothersbaugh, of course, of Devo fame and so many great soundtracks. He did the score. He also did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, so they'd already worked together. Uh, and written by Sean Patterson, uh, Joshua Bartholomew, and Lisa Harriton was the song Everything is Awesome, which is such a great song. I prefer the Tegan and Sarah version. It was performed uh, by Tegan and Sarah with the rap written and performed by the Lonely Island. I guess it was written by those other guys. Um, Yeah, Everything is Awesome. It's such a great way to kick off a movie, and it's so self-aware and hilarious at the same time and just really, really good stuff. And I remember they performed it at the, I believe, at the Oscars, Mm -hmm. which was super fun. Um, anyways, loved it. You know what? Uh, just so people, I feel like this always happens when we mention a catchy song. Um, we it would be cruel to not play a little, a little bit, of, bit it, of it, so everyone's stuck uh, listening to us will now have it stuck in their head for the rest of the week. So, Mary, if you can just play just a really sweet hook from "Everything Is Awesome." While it's been referred to as a parody of fascism, Mark Mothersbaugh referred to it as such. It, quote, was supposed to be like mind control early in the film. It's totally irritating, this kind of mindless mantra to get people up and working. It's like the whip crack on their back. But then by the end of the movie, it morphs into instead of being just a mindless go-to work song, it becomes about cooperation and people working together to do bigger things. And I think it does a great job of that. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it all told the film cost a hundred million dollars. That's like all the marketing and everything to put it out. It grosses over $250 million in the U S and Canada and over $210 million worldwide. And it even led to a shortage of Lego products in late 2014. And I remember this really put Lego over. Like if they mm-hmm. weren't already so popular because of the video games, because of the licensed stuff, because of this, that, and the other, I think this is when we really saw an uptick of Lego stores and just, it just became so much more of a, it became hip again. It became weirdly hip again to be really into Lego. That And also thinking about it. was about also it, at the right time where yeah. the Marvel Disney kind of consolidated fantasy world that we lived in was hitting its peak. Yes. And the fact that this movie had the Ninja Turtles, Wonder Woman, Superman, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, yes. all kind of flying together and that it was an integral part of the movie was a lot of fun and definitely sure. surprised a lot of people. And before that, too, you know, another thought I just re- had that I just realized about, uh, I feel like they also, especially the Lego store, really capitalized on the simplicity and marketing of products like Apple. You know what I mean? It's like, I think they looked at that and they were like, we're kind of the same thing. We're very simple colors, bold colors that, you know, and, and there's just a simplicity to the design. So it's just it's so fascinating how they've come in and out of favor over and over and over again. It's like unbelievable to watch. But anyways, I've gushed about that before. 
so yeah, this movie's a huge success. Next comes the Lego Batman movie. Chris McKay returns to direct that with a script written but prob- by probably about 20 people with about five getting the credit because that's how it works in Hollywood. <laughs> the cast is insane again with Will Arnett returning to voice Batman. You've got Zach Galifianakis as the Joker and Michael Sarah as Robin. Oh, hold on. I just checked it on uh, my computer and... Uh, the year after the Lego movie came out was the first year that they crossed like a billion dollars. Oh, in wow. Profits. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Also joining them was Rosario Dawson, Ray Fiennes, Jenny Slate, Mariah Carey, Eddie Izzard, Seth Green, Jermaine Clement, uh, Billy D. Williams, Conan O'Brien, Jason Manzoukas, Zoe Kravitz, and Doug Benson, among many others. There's just so many huge names in this, all playing different fun Batman villains for the most part, or villains in other franchises. With the first fl- film being this giant success, Warner Bros. gives the green light to several Lego movies, and this is the first spin-off film. McKay said, I was thinking that we were basically taking the Burt Ward Robin and sticking him in the Batmobile with Zack Snyder slash Ben Affleck Batman, or the Frank Miller Batman. And putting these two different energies together, somebody who's like the grumpiest, dark, grittiest, broodiest Batman with the most positive, indefatigable kid. And that is essentially what you get. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of, it was kind of weirdly dark, or maybe I was just in a weird mood that day, but it has a vibe to it for I mean, sure. The, they definitely play into the existential sadness of Batman mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of Batman media kind of shies away from. They uh-huh. they really mark him as a comical fantasy figure. Yeah. Uh, while this is happening, also, Warner Brothers Animation is pumping out a ton of Lego DC superhero direct-to-DVD movies, stuff like uh, Lego Superheroes Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom, Lego Comic Superheroes Justice League Cosmic Clash, Lego Scooby-Doo Haunted Ho- Hollywood, Lego DC Comic Superheroes Justice League Gotham City Breakout. And there's other TV stuff that... Again, we're doing the oversaturation thing that Lego did before. I don't understand why they wouldn't learn that. I guess Warner Bros. is learning their lesson now. Uh, not Lego with all this stuff. But also, yeah. if you have a sh- if you have a whiny kid, you're probably watching a lot of Ninjago and Lego Kaima and uh-huh. Lego Friends. They all have their I'll own. Are you about to say shitty pieces. kid, and then you changed it to whiny, which is very polite of you, Jake. Even whiny <laughs> kids have value. If not, God, what? Where was I? One thing I love about the movies, Chris Miller talked at one point about how every Lego movie is happening in a child's mind. And even though he doesn't appear in the movie, the Lego Batman movie is happening in the mind of Finn from the first film, which I think is really cool. So every movie has that. Speaking of every movie, Lego Movie 2, the second part. Uh, This is Phil Lord and Christopher Miller returning to write the screenplay with Mike Mitchell directing, who had just come off the success of Trolls, who was a late-stage replacement during development, the first director they had creative differences Did you watch this? Um, I'm gonna lie and say yes. So, so I no watched, one gets I, mad at me. I'm lying about it. It felt very weird loving the first Lego Movie. Truly, truly loving the first movie, seeing the Lego Movie two come out, and kind of just hearing meh reviews and moving yeah, on. And that's kind of what I did. Honestly, dude, completely did not know a sequel existed. I'm gonna say that before, until I did the research. Yeah, it feels like it was dumped out, kind of. A- I like what I'm reading about it. How they brought in the sister, how they were bringing in more women. They wanted it to have like a more mixed gender scenario going. But if on. you look at the history, there a ton of different writers and directors and producers are kind of cycled in and out. Um, yeah, it's one of those development like. Uh, uh, it's thing. missing a lot of the uh, original cast. A lot of characters are kind of just given a hand wave. Uh, even the animation is done a little bit differently. They kind of rely more on 
2D animated facial expressions to do a mm-hmm. lot of the work where I feel like previously it was all kind of sticking to that Lego stop motion style. And they just kind of, they did this thing that a lot of sequels do where the magic is kind of over-explained away. In the Uh. first Lego movie, you kind of get that, oh, wow, it's breaking the fourth wall, but, you know, you don't don't spend that much time playing with it. Uh Uh-huh. You just you just kind of hand wave me like okay it's imagination magic in this one there's so many weird leaps and intricacies and and conflagrations between the real world Loving and these the, words and the Lego world <laughs> that it's it kind of falls apart I yeah. wasn't as jazzed about it and so, even the jokes don't land quite as hard in fact uh, there's a ton this is a this is obviously I think ripped directly from the Wikipedia article but. Uh, Halfway through production, uh, competing Disney films like Frozen and Moana uh, made Warner Brothers dictate that there should be more songs yeah, added. Musicals are, There's yeah. tons of musical numbers in it that kind of fall apart. Uh, there were rewrites by Bojack Horseman writer uh, Raphael Bob Wasker, Waxberg, Rob Schrab, who's a great animation director, a great cartoonist, uh, left as director. Uh, it was even confirmed in an interview that Lord and Miller were doing rewrites while the movie was in production. Never good. So the kind of it just kind of feel it just feels like a more compromised product, and it's unfortunate. I will say though, the credits uh, song is incredible. <laughs> it's yeah. also done by the Lego Island, and it's this very meta commentary about how you're watching the credits to a movie. That's it's funny. Kind of amazing. Uh, I know there's also catchy song performed by Dylan Francis T-Pain and That Girl Lele that was there. Everything is awesome for this movie. But again, just like everything else, doesn't quite hit as hard as everything in the first movie. Also, it feels like maybe, and I could be wrong because you saw it, I didn't, uh, that they just had more to say. They actually had something to say with the first movie and they don't really connect like in that great way in this one where this is the cynical thing they were trying to get away from in other words in the first movie and make fun of in the first movie it's an interesting thing because the core conflict is the idea that the main character from the first movie is having a fight with his little sister who was introduced in the first movie which i think is clever and they're kind of trying to make a point about how lego is this unisex experience that can be enjoyed by anybody i think that's great but they don't kind they of address it's almost it's they're just kind of almost talking about how Lego itself kind of fucked up their own marketing <laughs> as we described in part one. But they never get around to it. It's all so it ends up just feeling like kind of an empty girl power. Right. Oh, all women are superheroes kind of statement where you're just kind of like, OK, uh, Plus, there's a time travel gimmick that I won't get into, but it's weird. <laughs> so I will say Ruth Bader Ginsburg did give her blessing to be a minifigure in the film, and she ended up getting a real-life one as released uh, as per the movie's toy line, which I think is hilarious and awesome, uh, just like everything is. And uh, so what's not so awesome is the critics didn't really give it the best reviews. The box office wasn't really super lit up by it. It just didn't do quite as well. And so um, Warner Brother Bros., you know, they found that to be disappointing and allowed their film rights to expire. Now, these were purchased by Universal Pictures with plans to do spinoffs and even a reboot of the Lego movie, which to me sounds like maybe not the best idea, but we'll see what they do with it. Uh, but let's talk about Lego Masters because I am in love. I'm so, <laughs> my only thing is, damn it, damn it, rest of the world, just 
especially when it comes to reality competition shows, catch up to Netflix. I want to binge this show so badly. Ah. I want to binge this so badly, and instead I have to wait uh, a for week, episode, like a, a, like a week. normal. I'm so pissed. I watched it on Hulu. It's out on Fox. I think it's fucking. It's like. It's exactly what I want, which is fucking Great British Bake Off, but for Lego. And it's and uh, Will Arnett hosts it, and he's actually not just phoning it in and doing it as a quick cash grab. It seems he's really funny. I, I'm I'm la- finding myself laughing a lot at his antics and everything. Um, but yes, it's essentially different. Uh, these teams of two uh, of various, you know, they've got like a hus- uh, two two you know husband and husband team. You've got a father son team. You've got uh, you know, uh, the lady friend, I, well, I don't want to get into spoilers, but the older ladies, the Southern ladies. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> um, it's just got that charm of the great, you know, great, like it's that light, generally pretty friendly type of, uh, except for that one company. team, that, that one team, very clear that the, they were just put together by the producers to fight with each other. <laughs> yeah, except for that one team. We we hope they don't stick around I mean, much longer. Because honestly, I just like what everybody gets along and is super supportive. We've been involved in tangentially in enough media productions to know how fake reality right. TV is. And there's a lot of like sure. fake stuff in there. But I really love how they're kind of introducing people to Lego building. There was a nice little moment in episode two where they introduced uh, Snot. Which is studs not on top. Yes. Which is a very insular building term. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully by the end, the same way that watching Fortune Fire or Great British Bake Off or any of these. Or- You'll like learn quite a bit about just the process of, of sculpting. Just the idea that also, like, I really love the idea where you, you know, you play to your strengths and there's different things you're doing. You're not just building with Lego. You're, you're maybe you're a really good sculptor, which means you're very good at creating giant, beautiful, you know, pieces with it the other thing other teams are really good at the storytelling element of building with lego and 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 go and talking about that and having conversations about that i i mean i hope it inspires a lot more people to to get involved with with if this you stuff. want an inside ins, inside look at what it's like to be a contestant maybe just scroll up on the feed and <laughs> if you haven't already listened to the interview with boone langston Who's of the, great be, of on the, the bearded sh- builders he's great on the show i really like him a lot and i'm so happy he did that that's with us. that was actually kind of an amazing thing doing the research this past two weeks is mm-hmm. how welcoming and how informative and how giving a lot of the Lego community was. Well, it's really cool. And I think they're finally, it's becoming popular. And I don't think it probably really ever always was to be like an adult uh, as uh, adult fans of Lego is what it's called. Uh, pronounced awful. <laughs> and uh, you can, you know, if you get involved in that community, you can even get hired by Lego as a master builder of which there are only like 40 in the world. So very competitive market. They build things for the Lego stores and theme parks and earn somewhere around 38,000 a year, which is not amazing, <laughs> but uh, another or one way to become it's a- those. It's I love the idea it's I, I kind of had a little bit of it back when I was working at Dorkly, a little bit now as a podcaster, being like, you telling me you get to yeah. just do something fun? Right. And then you'd be like, I earn $38,000 yeah. a year. And they're like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. was going to be mad, but now I but feel bad. But I ba- have a boat, <laughs> and you don't. Uh, so, yeah. So I have a Lego boat. <laughs> So one way to become a master builder is to compete in Brick Factor, which is a competition held at one of seven, uh, one of the seven Legoland Discovery Centers in the world as one of 100 con- uh, contestants. Another way is to start out as, quote, a glue minion, which is an apprentice builder, which you're essentially just gluing 
while the master builder is creating and building and everything. An even more elite job title is the Lego Certified Professional, which is a, or LCP, of which there are only like 12. And these are freelance artists who do work for hire by companies and show their stuff in galleries and whatnot. They can charge anywhere between two grand to $100,000 for a commission. And uh, they're a bit more elite, a bit more um, with money, those sorts of things. Lego Masters use specially designed paper, by the way, graphed to the proportions of Lego bricks and need a decent amount of knowledge of course in math and physics need to know things like ratio scaling and load bearing all that good stuff uh so the show lego masters premiered on february 5th 2020 on fox and is hosted like i said by will arnett uh they also have two expert judges amy corbett and jamie berard it was interesting learning a little bit more about them just to say uh amy is a senior design manager for many of the girls lines jamie is in charge of the creator expert and the fancy snooty architecture line. So you've got Jamie two... featured pr- uh, very prominently in the brickumentary documentary uh-huh. that, you, that you can find online. So yeah, they both lead design teams at Lego, but very different types of design teams. And that is good to know. Uh, yeah. Amy with more of a focus in kids and play. And Jamie has a focus on those awful adults who love Lego and I love the show, and uh, I'm so happy it's on. And it was really good timing for us because we decided. I don't. I don't think we had talked about Lego Masters before we even decided to do this mm-hmm. two-parter on Lego. So go out and watch it. Like I said, it's on Hulu. It's also on Fox. Um, and just give me all the episodes, damn you! <laughs> I just want to lay on the couch in my pajamas and just watch episode after episode of it, but instead I have to wait. The challenges are really cool, too. This last one was, like, a lot. It was, like, it had to be space-themed, and also they were going to destroy it in Mm -hmm. some way, and it had to look cool getting either blown up or hit with a bat or dropped from uh, the balcony. Um, Holden, did you and Lexi, by chance, binge-watch Next in Fashion, hosted by Tan France of Queer Eye? I did not. Lexi started watching it. Okay. So, yeah, why? I I was trying to think of most recent Great great British. Oh, Great British. Yeah, Great British. You can just sit and binge the shit out of that. Uh, blown away. Holden. Blown, blown away. away. I, I've talked about it in the past. Hey, what you watching? It's glass blowing competition I reality need to watch show. That. You did? Because okay. we, no, I need to watch it because it's exactly what we you're started talking watching about. this like makeup version of a oh, yeah. competition show. And I started watching it and I'm just like, I just don't yeah. care enough about fashion. No, makeup. Blown Away is really good if that's what you're Because with everyone loves a scone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Baking is always going to work because you're like, ooh, that looks yummy. But like with makeup and stuff, I'm just like, I guess that's, I, I, I need to be able to comment on it with the person I'm with. I need to be like, that looks really good or that looks like a piece of shit. But with stuff like makeup, I'm just like, I, I guess that's good. I don't yeah. know. So anyways. It's, if if you hear the judges make a note and you can like actually go, ooh, that's a good point. Instead yeah. of like. I, I guess. Yeah, that's that's how you're in. Because you definitely get that with Lego. I'm. I have an opinion on like all everybody's. I'm like, oh that. And there's one team that is just knocking it out of the fucking park with their stuff. Uh, the the guy the the nerdy guy and the lady. They're like youngish. Um, on the show, they not just, the newlyweds. Are they newlyweds? Maybe. Well, whatever. They're crushing it. They're they're doing. Uh, everybody's doing really cool stuff though. So, anyways, all right. Uh, that's Lego. 
That was Lego. We did it. Two parts, baby. In the can. Brick by brick, we built a story. Yep, there it is. We built that story, and that's the story, Morning Glory. Uh, I am bad with words right now, Mm -hmm. and I was so good up until now. Or was I? We'll see next week. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. If you'd like to follow us further, check out our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Weekly episodes we've got. What's this interview you speak of? This is a deep dive into the history of Lego Island with Professor Brickster, a Lego Island expert. There you go. So uh, stuff like that you can find. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're done. Holden, where can I follow you and support you? Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Oh, that's Jay- good because you can follow me and support me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. Well, I didn't ask, but I'm glad you said it. And always remember... Never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. I'm loving it. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da. A podcast. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.